Be who you are. Dream what you really want to do. Then, do it. Be, dream, do. Living by Design, the radio show, is focused on people sharing their stories of how they were able to understand what they were really passionate about, had the courage to dream big, and then did it. Now, join the conversation. Well, good day, listeners, and welcome to Be, Dream, Do. I have Sean Whitehorn, my son, here. Hello. And we have a very special guest. We have Rubina Majid. Rubina has, uh, Rubina and I know each other from days gone by. She is uh, an, uh, an, an executive consultant in the area of education. And uh, she has an incredible story that has taken her across continents, and she's calling in from Hyderabad, India. So please welcome Rubina Majid. Rubina, how are you today? Hi, Dave. How are you? Hi, Sean. Hello. I'm doing well. Thank you. And it's really good to be back in touch with you all. Well, it's, it's great, uh, great to hear your voice, Rubina, and thank you so much for making the time to uh, call in from India. Uh, I know our listeners enjoy listening to people calling in from all locations, and you're our first guest calling in from India, so how about that? Oh, thank you. I, I, I feel good about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we do, too. So um, you are uh, a senior uh, consultant um, and educator par on excellence. I reached out to oh. you because I have followed your career um, since we met, and uh, there's, you know, you absolutely love what you do. And um, so, just for the sake of our listeners, let's let's just listen to a little bit about, you know, your story and how you ended up in the area of education. Okay, I did not study to be a teacher. Okay, I I was born in India, up in the mountains, in this beautiful place called Kashmir. You must have heard of it. Yes, It's a beautiful absolutely. place. Yeah. It's like, the, um, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's called Heaven on Earth. So I went to a, an Irish convent over there. I did my schooling at a convent, presentation convent. And then I did my college out there. I got my undergrad degree over there. And then I, my first master's is, I've got an MBA. And then I got married and I left India. And... My husband worked for Saudi Arabian Airlines. That's right. where we met. That's right. So I was in Saudi Arabia. And guess what? Um, I don't think they had any jobs for a person who was qualified <laughs> to be a business executive. And when you're 21, you don't want to be a teacher, you know. And then when you have an MBA, you want to be that high-flying executive. Right. Guess what? It didn't work out that way. Right. But do you know who my next-door neighbor was? Um Maybe you remember him. It was Jeff Dagenhart, one of the principals oh, yeah, of the American of course. I remember School. Jeff, yeah. Yes. And we would sit and talk and he would say, Rubina, I don't like you sitting out here, you know. Yeah. I want you to be in school. Yeah. And I was like, No, I don't want to be a teacher. Yeah. So just try it. So I said, Okay. I went into uh, the school, the American school, and I started substituting. Right. Guess what? I started liking it. Right. So then um, Jeff goes, Rubina, show me what you have. I want to see your credentials. Yeah. So when I, he saw those, he goes, you got to take this course, this course, this course, and you'll be a certified teacher, and you have to take all those. 
exams. So I did all that. This is all the while I had three children. Right. So I went back to school. I got my credentials and guess what? I was hired by the American school and I really liked teaching. So I taught elementary for the longest period of time. And uh, 2007, my husband retired and we decided to come back to India. Mm -hmm. But my career with the American school took me to so many different countries. I met the best people in the world. In fact, there was a time we had 29 nationalities in one class. Oh, my goodness. That was wow. the best part of teaching in that American international school. I made the best friends. And then when I decided to come back to India, there was one thing that was always kind of hurting me, yeah. that there's no continuous professional development for teachers back in India. Okay, okay. Yes, so I decided I would come back and do that. So when I came back to India, the first um, company that contacted me was Scholastic. Scholastic mm -hmm. is a big name all over the world. Yeah. So they said, you know, we're into education. How about you doing this for us? So I said, yes. And then there's another company that contacted me and said, would you like to do content for us? And uh, I said, yes. So that's how I've been you know, I've been enjoying what I'm doing right now because I go to different parts in India, like cities that I had never heard of, even though I am Indian. <laughs> right, so right. I go to these schools. Yeah, like just as an example, two months ago, I went to this remote place. And as we were going by, there was this big herd of elephants that crossed our path. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So it's amazing, you know, those things happen and you all of a sudden you're driving by and you see like a snake going by. Yeah. But it's wonderful to see that how education is flourishing in, you know, these remote places yeah. Yeah. and where there are people eager to learn. Right. And um, I think I'm having a good time because um, I like what I'm doing. And I like I like it when the teachers come back and say, whoa, we introduced what you told us to yeah. and what you taught us. And it's making a difference in those children's lives. So I like yeah. what I'm doing and I'm very passionate about it. So well, I also run an orphanage out here for street children. Yeah. So so, so I mean, that's what if I want to hear about the orphanage and I want to hear about uh, a few other things about the different parts of India that you go to. But. I'm just curious, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we hear your passion, you know, through, uh, through the microphone. We hear, we hear your passion on air. Oh, and thank I can you. Almost, I can almost see your eyes just gleaming as you're talking here. And, and uh, what is it about teaching that really got you so excited? I think just that smile on those little kids' faces. Uh -huh. I've always been an elementary teacher. Uh -huh. I don't know. Somehow, I, I have never graduated to middle school or high school. <laughs> Teaching middle school and high school. I've always liked those little kids. And would you believe it? I, like um, Most of the students that I've taught from all over the world they're still in touch with me they call back and they'll say we remember what you said to us we remember what we did in the classroom uh -huh. so you know that that really gets to me when i see those smiles wow. on those cute little faces <laughs> and like the kids i've had in my class too like i said 29 different nationalities and do you remember dave we had 49 42 different nationalities in our school yeah that's right that's right yeah that yeah. was amazing you know and yeah. i think uh, i made the best friends 
and I have friends all over. I have students all over the yeah. world. And uh, like four years ago, when my daughter was in Jordan, I went to visit her. So my student from Jordan found out I was there in Amman. And they invited me over for dinner. Oh, I met the whole beautiful. family. Yeah. So, you know, it's just that, yeah. that, that you know, that just to feel that you were a part and you're still a part of those mm-hmm. kids' mm-hmm. lives. That really, you know, gives me that nice, fulfilling um, yeah. feeling. Yeah. Have you ever thought, you know, what would have happened had you pushed on and not tried? And I say pushed on kind of pushed onto your MBA thinking and not wanting to work in Saudi Arabia as a teacher and what would have happened in that uh, had you not had you not taken the risk to go and, and do the substitute teaching I don't know if I would have been a good business executive yeah. I don't know maybe yeah. I would have been good but yeah. um, I think God has his way yeah so I think um, I was meant to be a teacher but I there are times my children ask me Mom, did you really have to be a teacher? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, it was, I think it was a calling. Uh-huh. It was a calling. And uh, I don't regret it even for a moment because, with, you know, I did a lot of internships when I was doing my MBA. Right. And I meet all my colleagues and I meet my classmates who are like placed really well all over the world. But I think I am better off teaching. Well, you know, for sure, you absolutely love what you do, and I'm not so sure uh, that everyone else could say that. I, I'll just say this anecdotally. Um, so uh, I coach executives around the world as part of part of my work, and uh-huh. there, there's a person uh, that I spoke to who was relatively successful in terms of the numbers and all of that, but he mm-hmm. told me, and this is to your point, Rubina, I'm not happy. I uh oh I I don't I don't like my job at all. And and you know stop and think about just how good do you think this person could be had he liked his job, right? True, very true. <laughs> so hearing you all fulfilled and and uh, with that gleam in your eye uh that I'm hearing if I can say that. <laughs> I'm hearing a <laughs> gleam in your eye. Uh, is, right. is, is just really inspirational. Uh, it truly is inspirational because at the end of the day, life is just too short. Yes, and I think you should, I, it's not that I don't have frustrations while oh, teaching as well. Yeah, yeah. I do. There yeah. are times like I, I'm like, why am I in this? But mm. then, you know, you push on because you yeah. know that there will be a time where you're making a difference in someone's life, right? right, right, right. Especially with teachers... And and I have a hard time with really experienced teachers with, who just don't want to change. Uh-huh, so you just uh-huh. have to sit with them and talk to them. Right. And still, there's that twenty percent of my uh, you know class that will just look at me and say, "Okay, yeah, we've been there, done it. It didn't help." <laughs> <laughs> Actually, right? if you just but, have twenty percent, I think you're doing pretty good. <laughs> so um, that's great. I am okay with that. That, that that that's very good. So I'm um, okay with that. So uh, tell us about this orphanage. Okay, I had um, I used when I came back, I started working with an NGO as well, uh, which believes in women empowerment and and you know having sustainable livelihoods for them. So I was working with a lot of women 
in the underprivileged part of the society. I live in a really nice place in Hyderabad, nice. but there is a slum right close by and we were working out there. But ultimately it just got to me like I wanted to be with the children. Mm -hmm. So I had this friend and we got together and uh, we uh, started working on street children because there are lots of kids in India that just run away from home and and they become addicts. They don't have a life. Mm -hmm. They are in this vicious circle of being abused. It could be verbal, physical, sexual. Mm -hmm. It's really bad. Mm -hmm. So um, we got together and there's this uh, person in this uh, committee that he gave us his apartment and we got these kids from the railway station or the bus station. And we got them in there together. And uh, till now, we've restored about 72 children back to their parents. Oh, my goodness. And right now, I have about 38 children. Out of that, three I know will not go anywhere. They will be with us because um, we're not giving them back to their parents because mm -hmm. their parents are kind of selling them back again. Oh, my goodness. They're starting bonded, continuing with that cycle. Labor. Yeah. Yes, in the, into bonded labor, which is not good. But the best part is, like, in India, we have really good laws that protect the children. Uh -huh. But a lot of people don't know about them. They well, for, don't know so where for, to get. So, for example, uh, for, for example, yeah. what are some examples? Go ahead. Some examples. Say that again. Some of, some of the examples of some of the laws that protect the children. Uh, right. Um, we have have this um, Department of Child Welfare, yeah. and the, the Commissioner of Child Welfare has the same rights as a district magistrate or a judge, right? Okay. Okay. So if we go to him and say, you know what, this is what's happened, and if they take the child back, they're again going to, you know, get him off some kind of a bonded labor. Right. Uh, so he, you know, he signs an order for us saying that this child will not go back to the parents. Okay. So it's really nice. But the thing is, people don't know about these laws. People okay. don't know that they, they're, the police will be there to support them. The, the judiciary is there to support them. Not many people know about that. So that really hurts the children. So if everybody knew about these laws, things mm -hmm. would be much better for these children. Much, much better. Is there like... And there are, I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going. I was just wondering. So, is there like this ongoing, uh, like fight for 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 to 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 help the kids? Is there like finding the resources or the just letting the people know what resources oh. are there and how like just keeping them informed about everything? All the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. There is this big thing going on where you have to keep on educating people, but still it doesn't happen. I mean, I've seen educated people. You know, they'll keep. Little kids, like as old as 12, 13, to look after their little baby. Mm -hmm. Wow. Which is totally against the law. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it also has a lot to do with their civic sense as yeah. to. And in, in India, we also have this system where, you know, they kind of grow with it, like it's accepted. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to let go of those things. Mm hmm. And and even though, you know, India's done really well with the education and everything, yeah. it's still, the, the, I think it's hard changing the mindset of certain people. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take some time. But I see we're making a difference. 
or seeing that these boys are educated. I don't have any girls. I only have boys because oh, interesting. having girls is a big responsibility and I need more resources. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is also another. But you know what? I always think of it this way. Like I need a lot of resources all the time, but I've never felt that like I was desperate. Right. I've always been helped out. I've got the money from somewhere. There'll be somebody to help me out all the time. So I've never been like kind of, oh, I really need the money, that kind of a thing, right, the resources. Right, right. Never. There's always been help around the corner. So I well, don't know. Well, Maybe that's, that's God's way of helping me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's yeah. beautiful. One thing, Rubina, that I um, have never really understood is how parents can sell their children. I, I really don't know. It's desperation. Desperation. I, there are yeah. times like I, I, I can't fathom. Yeah. I can't even think about it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know, but I, I, I really care about the children, no matter who they are, right. from where they are. And um, I, uh, you know about it. I've also lost a child. So I think yeah. that makes me all the more vulnerable to these kind of things. Right. right. So it's been, uh, I don't know, maybe... Uh, God had his way of telling me that this is your mm-hmm. calling. Mm-hmm. But I'm, and my, my family is also very, very supportive, especially yeah. my husband, because um, I do a lot of work and he's been there. He's been very, very supportive. And my children too, very, very supportive. So that really has made a difference. It would have been hard if I didn't have a supportive family. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, certainly... The work that you're doing is really making a difference, continues to make a difference. And uh, I was really um, picking up on how you said you were missing the children. And uh, uh, even though you were doing a lot of great work with teachers and helping them develop in in India, that you still wanted to have that touch with children. And you you seem to meet that need through this orphanage that you just described. Yes. I miss being in a classroom because yeah. I think it's hard to teach the adults. Yeah. The kids are like, you walk into a classroom, you close the door, you're the queen. Right? <laughs> they they, they look to up to you and they're so good. I, I love yeah. teaching the little kids, especially elementary. Second grade was always my favorite. So... I taught second grade for the longest period of time, but um, I think teaching kids is just amazing. I love being with the kids. So I, I tell the teachers I train to, I said, I would rather be in a classroom, but guess what? I'm here teaching you. <laughs> um, so you said in, your, uh, in the orphanage, it's all, it's all boys, but I, um, I was wondering, you said you're part of the NGO Women Empowerment yes. and Development? What, yes. Um, what is that about? Uh, I worked there uh, for about six years. It was a really good experience. Um, There are lots of women who are not um, like their husbands are, and it's from both the communities, like they're from all all different religions, but they're not educated. They are not treated well by their husbands and they have children and there's not enough money and these women are like they're so good they will come in and they will learn a new uh, kind of an art like uh, you know we teach them how to sew we taught them how to make those jute bags all kinds of things screen printing embroidery 
all kinds of things. And then we started getting orders from different companies like, you know, the big Hyderabad is very well known for its IT industry. Right. Like most of the American companies, they have huge offices out here. Right. It's. Hyderabad is also known as Cyberabad because right, of the IT right, companies. Right, right. <laughs> yes. So, so we do a lot of uh, work for these big companies for their, you know, their public relations department. They'll order lots of gifts and all those from. So th- these women are doing well. And um, I left working for this NGO about six years ago okay. because I really got into um, this orphanage and my teaching uh, my my company is called Teaching Touching a Better Future because I believe only teachers touch the future. Yeah, that's that's inspirational. So um, that's where I stand, and I love what I'm doing because um, I don't see a big difference, but I see a small difference. That's okay for me. So uh, so tell us about uh, the different places in India that you you go in. in uh teaching teachers to, to, to up their game, I guess. I was, I just came back tonight from Gauhati, which is like Uh a beautiful state in the Northeastern part of India Uh called Assam. That's where they have the huge, um, national park called Kazaringa, where all the rhinos are. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. It was green. And then I also saw the big river called Brahmaputra. It's one of the biggest rivers in India and it flows through Assam and uh, there's a bridge that spans the, the two banks of the rivers. It's like 9.5 kilometers. I was amazed oh that the river could be that wide. 9.5 kilometers. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, as I was amazing. I saw that and I was like, wow, I didn't know that the two banks could be so far away. Wow. It was so, really nice. So, um, yeah, do you find uh, the people that you work with in different mm-hmm. parts of India um, quite a bit different, or, or pretty much the same, or, or what? Um, what's your experience there? India is a very diverse country mm-hmm. culturally, but in the end, we're all Indians, right? Right, right. right. So, so you know. It's like different cultures, different food, different mm-hmm. dresses. But um, when you go there, it's like you're going to a different place. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you identify with them as Indians, different languages. Mm-hmm. and But it's it's just like amazing to see that people from such diverse cultures, religion, food, dress, just live together. Yeah, yeah, we have our ups and downs, but yeah. in the end, you know, we are living together. There are really sane people out here who just want India to develop, and I think we're on the way. Yeah, that that that's that's very good. What uh, what challenges do you have in terms of communicating as you go to different parts of India? Uh, one thing great about India is that. Wherever you go, the medium, of, the medium of instruction in every school is English. Is that right? Wow. Yes. So if you, I mean, you've come to India, right? Of Wherever course. you go, yeah. you'll find people speaking English. Right. They will speak to you in English. I mean, there will be at least, um, you know, even little kids, they speak English. And then, so that really binds us because, um, mm-hmm. and Hindi is a language that, but 
in most of the northeastern states and the southern states, they don't speak Hindi. So yeah, it's I, the regional I, language. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's why I asked is because I thought Hindi was the first national language. But what I'm hearing you say is uh, some parts of India uh, speak English instead of Hindi as the as the yes. operative language, operational language. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Because uh, the regional language is like Tamil Nadu, they speak Tamil. And yeah. Karnataka, they speak Kannada. And in Hyderabad, in Telangana and Andhra, they speak Telugu. In the northeastern part, each, the, the, the northeastern part has seven small states. They're called the Seven Sisters. And each of them has a different language with different dialects. My goodness. So it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. You, everywhere I go, I learn something new. Right. And uh, I also like to collect textiles. And India has, every place in India has a different weave, a different um, material. So I collect sarees from all over India. Sylvia would love to go out with you and help you collect a few for sure. You have to come visit me now. You guys have to come visit me in Hyderabad now. Oh, geez, geez, geez. She she does miss you so for sure. Um, That's just fascinating. And what is... So as you're going into these different uh, areas, how do they receive you knowing that, you know, you're there to help them, you know, be better teachers? But I'm just curious, how is that reception? Uh, They're quite open about it because they want to learn. Yeah. Uh, But like I said, there are some teachers who are like, we know it all. Yeah. Majority of them are open to what... uh, I have to say, mm-hmm. and um, they call me back after that. They, okay. they, they're in touch with me. Right. Like, we did this. It didn't go well. Can you uh-huh. help us out with it? So it's really good that they – and I've seen the the, the children, uh, especially the school-going ones, they're yeah. really smart in the rural areas right. and just eager to learn. And and some of the schools don't even, don't even have resources. So our public school system is not great. So we have a lot of private schools out here. I see. A I lot see. of private schools and do all you, over India. And do you encounter any cultural resistance? I mean, you coming from Kashmir and now you're in another part of India, different language, I, different culture, that kind of a thing. I, I have to tell you a little bit about my background. My yeah. parents are from Hyderabad. Ah, okay, okay. Okay, so my dad was an architect with the Jammu and Kashmir government, and that's yeah. why I was born and raised there, but I am from Hyderabad. Okay, okay. But I think of Kashmir as my hometown. Sure. So um, I miss Kashmir and the weather, but course, my husband yeah. is from Hyderabad. So we yeah. lived, we came back to Hyderabad, and uh, culturally... I, and, you know, Kashmir is in the northern part of India and right. Hyderabad is south central. Yeah. So I feel I have the best of both. Right. So right. Uh, right. that's the reason I, I'm comfortable where I, wherever I go mm-hmm. because um, I understand the languages and I also am um, familiar with the cultures. Right. So I'm okay with that. I, I enjoy going to different places and I always read up and I always talk to people who've been to that place. Right. So I'm ready for it. Well, uh, you know, that's, um, it's truly a blessing that um, you have that background that you can bring into the different uh, locations that you go to there in, in India and bring your passion. That, that's, that really is a blessing, I think, to the people that you're, whose lives you're, 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 you're touching and what you do. Uh, I think I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm just blessed. Yeah. 
what what um what overall do you feel was really your biggest challenge as you were exploring uh, a career in education oh yes that was that was, that was a big challenge because in india the schools and the colleges like higher education they are kind of very strict like there's a mm. how do i put it it's like kind of restricted you don't share a an open relationship with your teachers right okay, okay. so and uh, i had been to you know for my undergrad and for my graduate degree in india you know we have a very formal relationship with mm-hmm. our teachers mm-hmm. so when i went to school in the states when i was uh, taking all the courses to mm-hmm. get my teacher certification right. i found that it was really refreshing because the students out there share such a good relationship it's an open relationship with your teachers right uh-huh. with your professors you it, the classes are so informal and and you can ask anything and nobody gets offended uh-huh. over here things are pretty formal very formal even now i haven't seen that big change happen i would i would like to see i think there are a couple of places all over india where we've had professors who've gone abroad and taught and they've come back yeah. and they share a very good relationship in the big universities I think things have changed. So, I mean, I, so given what you've just said, that's very interesting, Rubina. How, uh, what kind of environment do you try to create when you're teaching uh, the the teachers of India? Is, is that the an environment of of what you would see traditionally, or do you try to create a more open environment? I try that and I think I that really helps me connect with the teachers okay because it 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 tells them that I've been in your place I know yeah, you're having yeah. a hard time yeah. and I'm here to help so uh-huh. that really helps me out and and they're like oh we didn't know that we could do it this way too we didn't know we could approach you we didn't know we could email you we didn't know so i <laughs> but things are changing things are changing slowly in india as well yeah, i yeah. see a big change i came back to india after 29 years we were abroad for 29 years right right so that uh, that things have changed and i think they're changing for the better but um if you if i look at the teachers the younger ones are really like yes they like it the older okay. ones are kind of reserved it takes them some time sure. to get used to it and then they open up as well and there's also a big divide out here in so most of the schools are owned by private like uh private entities are these private so, entities for profit or non-profit for profit for profit oh. Yeah. for profit uh-huh. so and the latest thing in india is the flavor like the the, the tier 1 school or the elite schools are all oh. called international schools oh as soon as you so, put the oh. i word in front right <laughs> yes and the new flavor is the ib out here so uh-huh. i'm not uh, so they they're slowly moving there but there these are the expensive schools these are the really expensive schools so I wish all the kids could have that kind of an education because mm-hmm. but you know I was just uh, uh in Delhi about a month ago and mm-hmm. I was uh, I had a chance to go to one of the schools so the government in Delhi has done an amazing job with mm-hmm. turning the government schools around okay so that was really good to hear that you know it's the public schools that are getting better na 
So that was really nice. And I b- believe they've done a really good job. And this year, when we had the results come out for high school, mm-hmm. the public schools be- did better than the private schools. Mm-hmm. So that was really good to hear. And uh, it was also good to hear that the government's like kind of bent upon. So I'm hoping that the other state governments will look up to the state government in Delhi and say, we're going to do the same thing. I'm just hoping. Terrific. Terrific. In, in your experience in teaching in different places, would you say, how would you describe the, maybe is there a difference between the Eastern and the Western ways of teaching, maybe in regiment, uh, philosophy, discipline? Yeah, there's a big difference. See, uh, in India, the traditional way was your your teacher is supposed to be the person, right? Mm-hmm. So you couldn't question but slowly things have changed. But in the Western world, of course, you can question, you can reason, find a logical answer. Mm-hmm. You know, those things happen all the time in the world. But in India, it was different. But things have changed a lot. And I can see that, you know, the teachers are also kind of letting their guard down and they are more accepting. And I've also noticed that they, they're also bringing in differentiated instruction they're also learning to accept that yes there might be some kids with learning disabilities Uh before we didn't think about that Uh at all so Uh i see that change so i see a lot of clinical psychologists with their clinics out here before i did not find any and uh, that's really nice because uh, if a child had a learning disability it was kind of a shame you know, like we didn't talk about it. It was the child was dull or right. this is the way they would. Just, but now they're accepting, yes, you know, uh-huh. there is a learning disability. We need to look for a solution. Before there was no, there was always denial. The acceptance did not come in like 90% of the people. So the 10% who accepted would not find a solution because there was none. There was mm-hmm. no facility available for these kids to have modified teaching or you know being taught in a different way so now i see that and that is a really good change mm-hmm. it's i'm really happy with that mm-hmm. do you see that uh, across the board or is it still very depending on each school and region? depending on each school and also the socioeconomic background okay that so i've i have seen it in like the well-off people they are kind of uh, you know getting that I don't think it's still sunk into the lower strata. Yeah. Slowly, it'll happen. Rubina, you had shared how um, students from years gone by are still Mm -hmm. in touch with you. And when they found out, for example, when you went to Jordan, uh, they actually, you know, took the time to uh, invite you to dinner and and whatnot. So, I mean, you truly have made a difference when you see that kind of thing happen. So uh, what is it about you that impacts your students? I think I just hug them. (laughs) (laughs) The warmth. uh, Dave, do you remember there was this assistant principal we had, the vice principal we had, and uh, his daughter was in my class. I Uh still remember that beautiful girl. And Uh uh, I remember the... uh, the second week, I, she didn't bring in her homework or something like that. And I uh-huh. said, oh, we need to, you know, sit down and have a talk. Yeah. So she looks at me and she says, you know, my dad is the 
vice principal. I can get you fired. <laughs> and I was like, what? You can get me fired? Okay, let's go down to the principal and see if you can get me fired. <laughs> so I go down and I talk to the principal. And the principal's like, he just couldn't, like, he had this big smile on, my, on his face. He goes, fine, take her to her father and see if he can fire you. So, <laughs> so we go down and talk to the dad and the dad sits down and says, but Trubina, I did the same thing. My dad was a commander of some base and yeah. I would do the same thing to the soldiers. <laughs> and I was like, the apple does not fall far <laughs> from the tree. <laughs> right? So... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had a really good year with that girl. But can you imagine last year she invited me to her wedding? Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, it's like she says that that was, I, I've always had teachers who would say, oh, okay, fine, we'll talk about it. You were the only one who walked me down to the principal's office and said, let's see if you can, your dad can fire me. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's a great, great story. And the way you just said, I just hugged them. When I heard you say that, I was just saying, Rubina, you've got unconditional love for all of your, all of your uh, students. That, that's kind of um, how it sounded to me. Did I misread that? Say that again? Did I understand that correctly when you say, I hug all of my children? Yes. You love yes. all your students, right? You yes. just love them. Uh, do you remember when we were in Saudi Arabia? Yeah. I had a child in my class, and I think they were from the embassy. So right. uh, The U.S. embassy, right? The U.S. embassy, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, do you remember at one point, Ramadan and Christmas came together? That's right. And we're in Ramadan right now, I think. Yeah, right, we're yeah. in Ramadan right now. Yeah. So I still remember yeah. we were like talking about Ramadan, and we were talking about Christmas, yeah. because in our school it was always a big thing, right? Yeah, sure. So this kid comes up to me, and he says, I have a very big secret to tell you, Mrs. Majid. And I said, okay, tell me. He goes, I don't celebrate Ramadan and I don't celebrate Christmas. Oh. I celebrate something different, but I'm not allowed to talk about it. Oh. Oh, my God. That was like, I knew wow. who he was then. So, and I felt so bad for the child because, I mean, can you imagine that burden the child was carrying? Sure. That he could not talk about his beliefs yeah, yeah. and that went against my beliefs right i could not so i said okay let's not go for recess and lunch today with everyone we'll sit and talk about what you believe in yeah so he sat and he told me all about it wow. and he told him about hanukkah he told him about ev <laughs> you know passover everything Beautiful. and we talked and we talked and i was like Okay, he was happy. He went home. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, usually it is like I'm going to get a call from the office saying, sure. that you shouldn't have done this, Rubina. But the best part was at 730, the mom calls me and she was crying. Oh, and she says, right. thank you so much for talking to my child. Uh -huh. Because just coming to Saudi and not talking about what you believe in right. was the hardest thing for us. And for a second grader to understand that, it's very hard. It's very, very hard. So uh, I think that was one of my greatest moments. And I'm still in touch with that family. That's beautiful. This boy is in college. Yeah. And wonderful parents. Wonderful yeah. parents who are still in touch. And, you know, these things have happened. And they've just made me a better person. Well, you know, you're acknowledging that, that, <laughs> that young man's um, um, 
I guess, need, need to talk about his beliefs right. uh, was really powerful. I guess, you know, I would say life-changing in, in some ways. Yes. I don't think I'm overstating that. Um, and I don't know if our listeners truly understand um, how powerful that discussion was with the sensitivity of those different religions within that country. Uh, right, so, and I am a Muslim, right? I, yeah, yeah. For me, yeah. you know, I don't care. Right. A child is a child for me, you know. Right, so, right. And, uh, and I think that family was in Saudi for three years, and right. for every Ramadan, I would get the best dates from them. Mashallah. Yes, mashallah. And alhamdulillah, right? Alhamdulillah, right. And alhamdulillah, that's right. That's thank right. God. Thank God. That's right. Um, so, for the benefit of our listeners, if someone out mm-hmm. there that is listening that that uh, is attracted to or is curious about uh, following your footsteps or becoming a, uh, you know, establishing a career in the profession of education, what what advice would you have? think we need more and more educators mm-hmm. uh, and I also feel not a lot of young people are getting into this profession mm-hmm. but I always tell them we're the only profession that touches the future right mm-hmm. because um, whatever you teach them they carry it on right so I would but I wish they would pay us more right right <laughs> Because the teachers are not paid as well as any other profession. I mean, think about it. If a young graduate with the educational background right. and the passion to teach gets into teaching, right. does not even get one-fourth of what an IT professional would get. Right, right, right. Or an engineer, for that matter, or a doctor, for that matter. Right. Even though we've put in the same number of years. Right. Into study. Right into our degree, and I really get very upset with that, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not fair. So I think our education system all over the world. I think Finland is doing a great job, mm-hmm. and uh, quite a few European countries are doing a good job. They, you know, Finland. I heard that they the teachers are paid at par with the doctors and the engineers and the really? bureaucrats. Wow! Wow! I, I wish they would do the same thing over here. I mean, at least pay them. You know, well, that's a, that's certainly a hot that, issue here in, in Arizona as well. As a matter oh, yes, of fact, we had everywhere. teachers who went on strike for about a week mm-hmm. to uh, to get some sort of an increase um, over, I guess, the next five years or so. So, yeah, like you said, it's certainly uh, certainly an issue globally. Yes, I th- and I've always heard this from anybody and you know we'd oh you're a teacher you must be getting the summer vacation off you get all the vacation off yeah but but i don't think you know people realize that when we're teaching it's a 24 7 job right i've i've had calls from parents at nine in the night saying that what do we do for homework tonight i said go to bed yeah yeah. You know, you, we are there all the time for the kids, the grading, and the, and there's so much that you get involved in with the right. kids, right. you know, and they become your family for that one year there with you. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's it's a tough job, yeah. especially if you get involved too much with the kids and yeah. you want to do the best for them. Right. So it's a tough job, and I wish 
um, you know, the world would realize that and pay the teachers better than what they are getting right now. Mm. And it's not just in India. It's in America. It's in sure. Canada. You know, I've lived in Canada. Canada has the same problem everywhere. I yeah. think just a few countries uh, where the teachers are paid at par with any other profession. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's certainly um, insightful there. Absolutely. Um, oh, but just... Uh, you know, talking, I know you said we need more teachers because of the, of the mm-hmm. demand and whatnot and the challenges around pay. But, you know, what kind of people make good teachers? What kind of people? Yeah. People's people. People yeah, who pe- think yeah. about others. Okay. People who care for children. People who uh-huh. care for um, the future of the world. Because I feel that we raise honorable citizens, uh-huh. whatever they're taught in primary, middle and high school makes a big difference because I see this happening in India a lot because like social studies, for an example, right. right? We're not teaching them social studies the right way. We're not teaching them how to be a good citizen. Uh-huh. Yes, there were things that happened before. I don't agree with them, but what are we doing right now for the kids so that those things don't happen again? Right. Why aren't we teaching the kids that? There has to be a change somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also a part of why we have some intolerant people, that the intolerance is not right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that really hurts me. And this is not what I taught my own kids or right. my kids um, in in the classroom Mm. and I wish we would do something about that because history uh, you can read it but you can't change it but you can learn a lot from it right and and that's not what we're doing right Mm. now so I would think that uh, teachers thinking about what they have to do and it's a job with a lot of responsibility Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I wish um, more people would come in. And I know, like you said, this person you talked to, the gentleman who was in management, the business yeah, side, right. he would have made a good teacher, maybe. Yeah, that's right. He may have. Right? He may have. Yes, he, because maybe his calling lay somewhere else, but because of certain circumstances, he got into this field, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say the requirement, there would be a requirement of the, the passion of learning more? Like an interest to learn? Yes. More? Definitely, definitely. Um, and, you know, you have so many certifications for teacher. This certification, right. that certification. When we look at other professions, they're not needed, right? Right. But for teachers, they're always there. Mm-hmm. And I would also request the parents to be more accepting. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when I was a student, whatever the teacher said went. My mother would not take it. Mm-hmm. The teacher was always right. But right now, as teachers, we have to be very careful of what we say in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Very, very careful because mm-hmm. you don't know how the parents might take it. Yeah. So we have to be very, very careful. Mm-hmm. Would, you say, um, would you say that in teaching there's another level of learning that happens? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And uh, that level of learning has to come with a lot of understanding as well. Because we have to understand what the environment is like. Because when I, um, I remember when I did my student teaching in America, it was like 
please don't touch the children, please. Whereas, you know, right, in Saudi right. Arabia, in our school, the mm. kids would always be hugging us. Yeah, the kids would yeah. sit in our laps. Yeah. But, you know, in and even in India, you're not supposed to touch the kids. So that I find very hard because I'm one of those who would always give, give them a hug, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I know, going to education as a kid here in the States, the touching was more in the in the form of a swat on the back end. <laughs> right, right, right. Or a swat on the hand. Or yeah. I had a teacher who pulled my ear when I was talking. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, yes. Yeah, we had, the, oh, the nuns. Yeah, I remember the scale. And I remember on my knees. I was yeah. one of the naughtiest kids in the class. And Rubina. I would be always, I was, I was. And I would be on my knees. And you know what the nuns are like. They always had a, a wooden ruler. And yeah. the second best thing was out in the hallway on your knees. So, so there are times I don't like to wear dresses because of the fact that my knees are horrible. From all that kneeling down in the school I did. <laughs> Hey, Rubina, when did you know that that really this this thing with teaching, Mm -hmm. with education was really a lifetime pursuit, not just one or two years in the classroom in Saudi Arabia? Ah, that's a good question. I think it was um, it was that aha moment for me because uh, I came from a very different background. Right. And. I think at that time I was the only Indian teacher in that school. Okay. I'm talking about the early 90s, the late 80s and the early 90s. Right. I remember that. And uh, also when uh, uh, I remember one of the kids who came from Montana and he said, you're the first brown person I've ever seen, he said. (laughs) (laughs) So it made me realize that, you know, I could make that difference. I could get into teaching and do a good job. Yeah. So, so that, and I remember we would, we had this big international day in third grade and I wore a sari and I did a beautiful bulletin board on India. Right. So, so that really, you know, made me feel that, oh, I'm there to make a difference and I'm there to tell people that this is India, right? Right, right. So that, that was that moment, I think. It, when you realized that you were really making a difference. Yes, yeah, I yeah. realized that, you know, I was learning. Yeah. And people were, you know, kind of learning from me as well. Right, right. And I did learn a lot. Like sure. the first four or five years of my teaching career were very hard because I learned a lot. Right, right. And it was, it was a different school system. Yeah. It was very, very different from the world I was in. But I think I made the best friends out there and the best community I've ever lived in. And I miss that. And I think we lived in a bubble, which was not exactly yeah, good, but yeah, yeah. I'm glad we did. Is there any book that really influenced you at all? Anything at all that comes to mind? Ah, uh, you know, one of my favorite books is The Kite Runner by Khalid Husseini. Kite Runner. Have okay. you read it? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. It's yes. one of my favorite books, uh-huh. and um, I love that guy he yeah. I really like and there's another one I have uh, another book that has really influenced me it's called no God but no it's by Reza Aslan I've forgotten the name it's actually the the translation of uh, you know the the first uh, verse in the Quran Laila Muhammad Rasulullah there is no God 
yes. but God, that one. And I, I've forgotten the title, but that's one of the books that has really influenced me. I I read it long time ago, and I, I still remember lots from it, and I've learned a lot from that book. Well, thank it's you so much gentle. for yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And as you uh, as we talked a little bit before uh, uh, before our radio show here, uh, mm-hmm. you're a little bit familiar with the be dream do idea. How does mm-hmm. how does uh, the idea around be dream do resonate with you? I think if you set your mind to it. Mm-hmm. and you dream that you're going to get there, mm-hmm. you will definitely. It might take some time, yeah. but you'll get there. Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing is we have to be resilient and persevere. Yeah. And and things have been hard, but, you know, the result has been amazing. Yeah. That's, way, that's the way I look at it. So I really resonate with what you say. Well, The dreaming part. Yeah. That, that's great, and, and you actually put a program together where you actually started getting your uh, certifications in the summer so you could move from substitute teacher to a, yes. a bona fide long-term teacher. Yes, yeah, yeah. Cr- yes. Yeah. yes, that was, but I had a lot of good people that helped me out too. Yeah. Yeah. They were really good people who kind of kept on saying, you can do it, and I did it. Rubina, thank you so much. Uh, Your conversation here with us today has been very inspirational. For our listeners, Rubina shares that the teaching world needs people who care for the future of the world. Rubina, thank you so much. Do what you love and love what you do. Thank you, and stay tuned for Be Dream Do next year. And I want to also wish you, Rubina, a very uh, Eid Mubarak, a very happy Eid oh, al-Fitr. Huh? Thank you so yeah. much, David and Sean. It's been thank wonderful you. getting back in touch with you, and it was just really nice being on your show. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Rubina. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining David and his guest. Make sure to catch Be, Dream, Do, Living by Design every week right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com.